Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Working Comic Podcast. This is the 50th episode. I've done 50 of these, and for some reason, I'm getting a lot of listens recently. I don't know why, but I like the momentum. So please follow Working Comic Podcast on Instagram uh, and Facebook. Follow me at, at Working Comic Podcast. And also tell your friends about this if you like it because I don't know how to advertise podcasts that well and quite frankly I don't want to have to do that kind of stuff. So if this brings you value and you learn from this and you like the guests and all that stuff, definitely uh, tell your friends about this who may be interested in comedy and learning some cool stuff. Thank you. appreciate it. Anyway, this episode was really cool. I interviewed Sarah Keller. Sarah is a comedian and actress based in Los Angeles, and she produces the Roast Battle live show in the belly room at the Comedy Store. Uh, since then, uh, this Roast Battle has changed the face of comedy in a way. Uh, the Roast Battle form of two comics going head-to-head with roast jokes Hasn't been done before this show that was started in the Comedy Store roughly six years ago or so. And now it's a phenomenon that has literally swept the world. There's roast battles all over the world today. There is a Comedy Central show with three seasons and tons of spinoff shows on Comedy Central. Lots of people in this roast battle community have gotten jobs writing for Comedy Central and working with Nikki Glaser and working with Jeff Ross. So it's really, really interesting and exciting. So... We talk about that community, how she runs the show. We also talk about getting into the comedy store and what that's like. And uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of cool stuff. And I think you guys will like this. So please, without further ado, enjoy. Longer. And he is just starting to figure it out now. Like some people just learn it right away. Even Nicole lost her first four battles. She did? Uh-huh. Or I three. I didn't know that. I thought she was, like, Mm-mm. doing a, a string of wins. Mm-mm. I thought she was actually undefeated no. or something. When she first started, she lost her four. Now she hasn't lost in since Connor McSpadden left back in, like, February. Oh, wow. Um, But, I yeah, when she first started, she, she was good, but not, like, it wasn't like people were writing home about her just yet. And then she figured it out. She figured out the format and... Interesting. I didn't know that. I thought she was just killing it like right away. Mm-mm. Okay, I guess that's reassuring. Um, well, I run a roast show, and I'm good at my show. What? But I'm bad at roast battle, so it's just like I'm just like, what the fuck? Um, I do the tech roast show. Oh, okay. That, I think they. I don't know. Maybe they. It was mentioned. Um, it's a show that I do. I started in Seattle, and then um, we travel around. Dude, I, I've been talking about this in my podcast, and it's just like I'm interviewing people, and I should probably just cut the part where I talk about this. But um, it's a show where I like <clears throat> we roast tech scenes in different cities. Oh, got it. Yeah, I would not see. I would be terrible at that because I don't know anything about technology. I yeah. can turn my computer on. Well, actually, it's interesting because we had um like Jay Light and Alex Hooper do the show and Paige, and they did great. And they're well, I guess Paige technically works in tech, but I feel like if you can write a good joke, it kind of yeah translates over. But yeah, I don't know. I'd have to do so much research, though. That would be the... And it would bore the crap out of me. Can I swear on this? Yeah, it's fine. It's not like a family... I always like to ask, just to be sure. No, that's cool. Um, Wait, so 
This is so now you're running the basically. Are you producer? What's your yes. title of Rosebud? Yeah, I'm yeah. the producer. Ah, the producer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very fancy. AKA Moses's bitch. That's really great. How did that happen? How, it was after Jay left. Yeah. So when Jay left, <clears> he <throat> recommended me. Um, I had, as you know, as much as I could, it tried to insert myself um, into the fabric of Rose Battle more than even just like battling and being a good battler. Um, so I would, I don't know, like if um, I started by writing, you know, starting doing the, uh, this is good radio, um, writing the roast report. And then basically would just like any time Moses needed anything or like I knew that they were going on the road or whatever, like I would message Moses and be like, hey, do you want me to plan this? Like, do you want me to get the air airlines or like whatever? Just trying any way to like help and get myself in because I wanted to go on the road with them. And... Moses is not good at organizing stuff, um, which is evidenced by our southern tour, which was a nightmare, except me, because I planned my way. When you went out to uh, Austin, right? Yeah. um, When we did, we did Nashville, Huntsville, Alabama, and Houston, and we ended up missing the Houston show. What? I was there, but everybody else didn't make it. No Um, way. and, And, like, the... The first night in Nashville, uh, Pat Barker's flight would have, he would have missed the show in Nashville if it weren't for me, because um, I, he was connecting through Minneapolis for some reason, again, and so I knew that there was a snowstorm in Minneapolis, because I'm from Minnesota, and so my mom told me, and I was like, oh shit, like, I better call Pat now, so oh, he no. rebooked his flight, and he would have missed it, he would have not made it otherwise if it weren't for me. Um, and then there was one other instance where that I did that too. So basically just like tried to put myself in and like help in any way that I can and just be like, Hey, I'm here. If you want me, like just use it, you know, use me if you need it. That's awesome. So you got in just by offering free help. Yes. And then when Jay left, he recommended me and I'd already proven myself, you know, uh, to Moses and. That was a big thing. Sorry. Flying by. Yeah. It was was a June book, right? I guess I think, so. Yeah. That was scary. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I was the first woman ever to be, like, in their, quote, inner circle. Um, of Rose Battle? Yeah, because it was That's Jay. That's needed. Right. I think so. Everybody now that I've taken over is like, everything runs so much smoother. I'm like, yeah, because I'm an anal bitch, but. Um, so you have a good organization yeah. strategy? And I'm like, like, I just. If you, you, I booked you on the pre-show recently, right? Yeah. So, you know, I send that email that's like, if you're not there by 10, 15, you forfeit your spot. I bet people love that. They show up immediately. Yeah. And that's that wasn't a policy before. And Moses is like, man, you're like a slave driver, which is funny coming from him. I'm like, but here's the thing. Like, you're getting a spot on one of the best shows in Los Angeles. Why would you? You should fucking be on time. You should be professional. Like, and, and it's not like I'm unreasonable. Like, if somebody messages me and is like, hey, like, my Uber's taking 10 more minutes, great. I know you're coming. It's just people wouldn't show up. Like, the show starts at 1030, and people wouldn't show up until 1045 uh, because they didn't want to go up first or they were just lazy. And, like, I set the lineup specifically so that it's diverse and, like, different energies are going at different times. And, um, you know, and then Moses approves it. So, like, 
and it's like, you know, waterfall. You bring the next person up. So if you're on stage and you don't know who's going after you because that person's not there yet, that sucks for you. And then I have to, like, yell the person's name, which I think looks unprofessional. So I'm just like, be here at 1015 or you don't get your spot. Like, Yeah, that's that's really smart. I mean, UCB does that to get people to show up on time to the shows. Yeah. They'll be like, get here by, like, if it's 8 o'clock, 745, or you forfeit your ticket. Right. And I noticed that, like, extreme language gets people to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though you could probably like backpedal and be like, okay, like it's fine. Like in reality, maybe right. be a little and, more lenient. But and that, that gets gives me stuff. the opportunity to be like, okay, I'll give you leeway this time. And then or, you're nice. <laughs> and then they're right. like, oh, you're and nice. And then I can be nice. Or I can just be like, no. And especially with people that, you know, have a pattern of not being on time, well, then I'm not going to give you leeway. But if it's someone like, like I had someone totally space their spot on Tuesday and he messaged me the next day and was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude, it's you. Like, I know. It wasn't intentional. I know you are mad you missed yeah. your spot. Like, I knew when you weren't on time that you forgot. And it's like someone you, like, trust. I right. Guess. I'm like, so you're not, like, no punishment whatsoever. But I've had people that, like, don't show up. And then, like, I had this guy a month, a couple months ago who didn't show up. Two months later sent an email being like, oh, sorry, I was out of town. Can I get another spot? And I was like, no. I just straight up told him no. I was like... You, you didn't show up. You gave me no... He didn't even apologize, actually. The email just said, was out of town. Can I get a new spot? I'm like, you don't even apologize? What's up with comedians, how they email? I don't like how comedians email. I'm, it's actually so disrespectful. Every time I email a comedian, I would get mad. Because it's one line, and it's like <laughs> that, and they show no empathy, remorse, or like any emotion, and yeah. they're just like entitled assholes. I'm like, why would I give you a spot when you don't even apologize for the fact that you didn't show up? And now... So I, I literally just responded. I was like... Uh, we won't be offering you any spots at this time. Feel free to check in in six months. I was like, really and he, the person was not even like a part of Roast Battle. Like, he doesn't battle. He's just a comic that wants a spot. So I'm like, no, like, you don't support the show. You're not here. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm being unreasonable, but. I feel like that's good. That's so interesting. I wonder if I ever reach out to shows and then, like, make them feel like, who the fuck is this person? I don't know. No. I don't think so. I don't think just reaching out. No. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's cool. So what's your um, organizational strategy? Because there's a lot that goes – what goes into ro- planning the roast battle? Um, It's mostly just, like, scheduling, you know, um, like, because we've got stand-up before, and there's ideally 11 spots. Um, and it ends up always being, like, 14 or 15, but 11 is, like, the sweet number. Uh-huh. The problem is – uh, there's only seven spots are already taken um, by the wave, developmental spots, um, crew members, meaning uh, like I get one spot a month for producing. Guam gets a spot a month for helping. Uh, Josh Meyerowitz gets a spot a month for helping. Dave Deary gets a spot for taking pictures. Like So everybody gets one spot a month. So And then the report writer gets a spot. So all the So I only get to book four people. Per really? night, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's actually, like, really um, kind of lucky to get a spot. Yeah, there. that's why we're booked out until January. You are right now? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, I think. Maybe. There might be, actually, because we have shows on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, so those aren't booked that? yet. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I try to make sure, like, there's at least one woman of out of four um, and, like, one that's person good. of color because otherwise it's all white dudes. All white dudes. Yeah, I and I won't, like, 
obviously, like if, if it ends up that that's the way it is, it ends up that that's the way it is. But if it means pushing somebody a week later so I can get a woman on, then I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, I won't push you three months later, yeah. but like a week later. Um, and I try to give priority to people that battle because um, it's like you're part of the show. You're supporting. You deserve priority. Um, and so it's a lot of that. And then like the hardest part is people communicate with me in like 19 different mediums. Yeah. And there is an email. There is an email. Um, it's roastbattle at gmail.com. That's the best way to get booked because that if I check that. I just go through it all and do it all in one sitting and yeah, schedule everybody. Otherwise, like I have people, if you text me, I'm almost going to guarantee that I it won't happen. It won't go on the schedule. Because it's just not in the right place. No, because I'll read it when I'm not somewhere where I can enter it into the calendar right away. And then I'll forget I read the text message. And then that's it. I know. Um, so I'm, I'm literally like, I'm so weird. I'm obsessed with like organization stuff recently. I've been reading a lot on like how to like, where to put your stuff and like how to prioritize the things you want to do yeah and like that's a good way is to have it so you can just batch check your email in one go and i do it on mondays and fridays and i always try to tell people that like if you don't hear from me it's because i check it on a monday and a friday so that's when it'll be done um and like facebook people facebook message me and sometimes those if i try to not open them if they say to keep it like so you can just click it. Right. So you know it's like a to-do. Right. But sometimes, it you know, your finger hits it. It pops and up. Then and, they're and, and then they're gone. And then you're like, fuck, well, you're, I'm not going to remember that, you know? Uh, That's interesting. What if you just, like, told people, never ask me on this medium? Again? I do. When people... Like, I can't. I will not. You have to also email me. Yeah. Um, and, like, my friends who text me, I, I did tell them, I'm like, straight up. No, you. I know you're my friend and I love you, but it's. I'll forget, so I need you to send me an email. Yeah. Um, because that's smart. I'll forget. Um. So that's cool. So, what ta- So you have to just scheduling's the biggest thing. Yeah, and then like I set the lineup, um, the day of, uh, and then I have to send it to Mo- Moses approves it, but usually, I think only like twice has he like rearranged stuff. Yeah. Um. And again, like I said, I try to make it so that it, it's a, you don't have four white dudes going and then like three black dudes go, like I try yeah. to spice it up so that yeah, the audience like doesn't get bored. Energy. Um, and like, you know, if I have four comics that I know are like lower energy, then I'll throw in someone that's, that'll bring energy back up. And not that they're not funny. It's just some people are drier. I know. Yeah. Um, and then the wave is always last, so that's easy. That's um, cool. Do you have a stre- – how does it work, like, people that go towards the end or beginning? Like, how do you structure your show typically? Like, do you think about how funny is this person going to be or, like – Sometimes, bare, but not really. Yeah. Um, I try to uh, – one of the factors is, like, if I know the person – even though I just said the whole thing about being on time, but, like, there are people that, like, Moses books, and so they don't hear that. They don't get my speech about being on time. So I try to pick people that I know will be on time to go up front, which sucks. So then I I keep it in mind that they had to go up front last time and mix it around. Um, The same with, like, the crew members. It used to be they would always be first, 
because Jay knew we, we would be on time. And I just was like, that sucks. Like, we're opening the show every time. So I try to mix it around so yeah. that they're not – the same people they're aren't like having to go up it. first yeah. every time. Um, the first couple sp- – I mean, I went up relatively first, but it was still good energy. Yeah. The crowd was really I hot. feel like, like the first one sucks, but – yeah, maybe like it, second or third. Yeah, is is still good. Um, and it, I try really hard to get the whole audience loaded in right away, so that whoever goes up first has a full audience. Because it used to be you'd be going up first, and they'd still be loading people into the room, and so you're performing for two rows of people, which sucks. Oh yeah. So now, like, yeah, you don't want to like while people are loading. That's my biggest peeve. Like, yeah, performing in front of that. And I mean, sometimes you can't help it because sometimes yeah. just people don't show up on time. Yeah. But I try to get at least like half the room full before we start. That's good. Um, and then, you know, like I have it when it's my spot, I have to go up later because I'm loading. I'm the one checking everybody into the room. So I have like I can't do that. And yeah. I have to wait until like after 11 o'clock when people are loaded. Um, and then a lot of times there will be like a headliner thrown in there. And I know that they're going to go up later because they're probably doing spots downstairs. Um, Cool. And, yeah, and then, I mean, I do give, like, I try to give better spots to, A, people that are funnier, um, and then, B, like, people that support the show. Again, I just want to reward people for doing the show and supporting it. That's really nice. It's like, I notice that it is a community. It's like a cool community, the roast battle. And it's ironic because people that are outside of it, you're just like, I would never roast. Think it's, it's like so, so mean. mean. They think it's like a bunch of assholes. I mean, quote unquote. Um, but it's not it's like a nice community if you're actually part of it. Oh, a hundred I mean, Doug Fagger and I were just talking about this, about how like special it really is. Everyone's actually just like friendly and really nice. It is like even because I just moved back to LA like a year ago. I was in Seattle. And just coming to the show, I felt really like um like people were just so nice and like welcoming. And I just had an expectation that it's like, oh, the comedy store, they're going to be like, who the fuck is this person? Like, and be rude. But like, everyone was so nice. Yeah. When I found it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is this is my family now. Like, and I know that sounds so lame, but it really is like. um, And I feel like comedy is so competitive, which is weird because roast battle is a competitive sport. And yet. I know it's like fundamentally like, the making comedy competitive in a way. <laughs> right, it is. And yet, like, I don't get jealous of other people's accomplishments. Like, like if Nicole Buchanan gets a writing job, my first thought is hell yeah, and then the second one is great. Now that means I'm closer to getting a job because she always has my back and always, you know, recommends me to anything. Or if there's any yeah. way that she can get me there, she will. Whereas I feel like other comics outside of like roast battle, like it's oh, fuck, that person got this thing. And it's like, no, dude, that's a good... Any of your friends that get stuff, like, that's only good that's for like you. It's, motivating. It's inspiring. Yeah. And if they're not pieces of shit, they're going to bring you along with them if they exactly. can. You know? It might not be right away, but eventually. That's cool. How did you find this community? I did a show with Mark Stevens at the Den on Sunset, which is, like, right down from the comedy store. And that was the night we met. And he was like, oh, I'm going to roast battle. And I had never heard of that. He's like, you should come. It's really fun. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I didn't really know a lot of people in comedy, so I was just trying to make friends, and he's the nicest person. So um, I went and watched and was like, 
oh, I want to do this. Like, this looks so fun. Really? Yeah. I feel like most people are so intimidated. Oh, no. I was like, oh, I was bullied my whole life. Like, I'd be so good at this. <laughs> um, and so I just, uh, I walked up to Moses and was like, how do I be a part of this? And he's like, well, do you have any opponents in mind? I'm like, no, I don't really know anybody in comedy right now. Uh, I was like, D- do you know of anyone to put me with? And so he paired me with Dave Deary, David Deary. And we battled like a month later. Um, and it went very well. Um, That's so great. Yeah. No one expected me to do well, which is always great being the underdog. Um, like Sarah Tiana came up to me afterwards and was like, I was very worried that you were going to suck and you didn't. And I'm so proud of you. I was like, thanks. Um, and it ended up like Dave Chappelle and Jeff Ross. No judged. Way. Yeah. Oh my God. And they it was like one of the first ever like double wins. Um, like Jeff was like, you both did so well. I refuse to call a winner. So you just, you tie, but you both win. Wow. Um, and so then I was like, that's well, nice. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, I guess I'm good at this. I'll keep doing it. I feel like that first like bit of encouragement so nice and helpful. Yeah. Like yeah. to get you to keep going. Yeah. And again, being the underdog was super, I was the underdog for a really long time. And that's always the best position to be in. So you joined this right when you started doing comedy? Well, I'd been doing comedy like, I don't know, three years. But I, I'm i technically almost eight years in, but I did not take it seriously the first three years. Um, meaning like I maybe did a show every six months at Flappers. So it's like you just technically started yeah. like three years prior. Yeah. Um, and I basically didn't really take it seriously until Roast Battle. Like, Roast Battle was like, oh, I'm good at this? Cool. And then I started, like, doing shows a lot. So you joined Roast Battle five years ago? We was, like, right before the TV show got announced. Like 2015? When is that? I don't um, even know. I, I have a really hard time with timelines. Um, but it was maybe a year or six months before they announced the TV show. So, like, I didn't know. No, we didn't know anything about that happening. Um so it was kind of perfect because I got so in like right before it became like, like I can ha- I can take credit being like I did this before the TV show. Yeah, that's like um, wow. My tech brain is like, oh, my friend's getting into companies before they IPO. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know what those words mean. It's but. like when they go public. Oh, okay. That's like what my I friend thought. just jo- joined Pinterest and then they like what? That's not interesting for this at all. <laughs> um, but that that's cool. You got in it before it was big. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was around for so long. I guess I should have known. Do you know how it started? Uh, yeah, um, Brian was telling me. Yeah. Um, didn't well, it was like a random show by one of the door guys? It was an open mic, and Moses and Lil Rel hosted it, and not Lil Rel. Was his name like Battle something? Rel Battle. Something yeah, Rel like Battle. Sorry, but Lil Lil Rel's a rapper, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Please cut all that out. Um, <laughs> just it was started by Moses little. and Rel Battle. Um, I'd have never met him, so that's why I don't know his name. But uh-huh. um, and it was an open mic, and two open micers were like in a fist fight in the parking lot. What? Yeah, well, like they got in an argument. The just uh, separate. <laughs> it was because of like what happened at the mic, and so then Moses was like, "How about instead you come back and write?" like jokes about each other and then it grew into this like phenomenon in the belly room um it used to be like you couldn't move there were so many people in there um 
Like literally you couldn't move. It was you were really? squished in there like it's pretty crowded now. It was it was like next level. Yes. Wow. Um then the fire marshal got called, so now we have to be really strict about how many people are up there. That's so cool. But so there wasn't a concept of roast battling before? Mm-mm. Like com- it was just rap. Yeah. Yep. That's actually so cool. Yeah. Because it's really like a big. It's a fun. I mean, it's now. everywhere. It's in like 30 countries now. Like there's roast battle shows everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's like actually changed the whole culture of the world. Yeah. Of comedy. Like added something to comedy. Yeah. Of, of the world. That's so cool. Actually. It's very cool. Wow. Um, so that's exciting. So now um, has being in the community helped your life? Oh, yeah. Everything I've gotten pretty much has been from Rose Battle or like inadvertently through Rose Battle. Um, you recently wrote for the Alec Baldwin roast. I did, which That's I got, so cool. you know, from knowing uh, Nikki Glazer and Jeff Ross and um, all and like, you know, everybody there. And there are a lot of people, right? Like there are at least a handful of people from Rose Battle show that wrote for that. Yeah. Um, not like most was it most of them or do they get other writers too? Just they had other, other writers too, because um, there's like you know guys that have been doing the roasts for thirty years that have writing oh, like have been writing on like Friars yeah. Club people. Um, you know they're in their sixties now and they're still right on the. Those are usually like the head writers and stuff. Really? So this time, um, like the new people, they split it up into four weeks or three weeks of writing. Um. And so most people only did like one week and there was all the new people were roast battle people that were hired, That's um, so cool. which is really cool. And I mean, I've gotten like, like I got to open for Nikki Glazer because of like roast battle and like writing on this came from roast battle, but also like I kind of just in like with, <laughs> with becoming the producer, I try to insert myself in any way that I can, um, while still, you know, being respectful. And, like, I have asked tattooed on my wrist because it's so hard to ask for stuff. And I got this last Christmas to remind myself, like, you're at a point now where you can ask for shit and, like, it's okay because you've earned it. So so asking in what sense? Like, like for asking for a role or asking to, like, contribute? Opportunities even. Like, um... I opened for Nikki because I saw that she was going to Minnesota where I'm from and I just like texted her and was like, Hey, can I open for you at in Minnesota? Like, you know, I don't need a hotel cause I can stay with my mom. And she's like, well, is that really worth the plane ticket and the flight? I'm like, yeah, it makes enough money. Like it's worth it. And just to be able to get out there with you, like I- I'm willing to, you know, take a hit in that I had to take a week yeah. off work or whatever. Um, and then she's like, yeah, of course. And I did really well then, which is how I got hired on the roast. And like last year for, Wait, Bru- you, d- you got hired on the roast because of you opening for pretty much. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and I mean, Not I submitted the- a packet and, oh. and stuff, but the reason I got the opportunity is because of like knowing Nikki and Jeff, um, and, wow. and the producer, uh, is a friend. Like he likes me. Um, and I just, like, even last year, like, for Bruce Willis, I just asked. Like, Jeff and I have gotten a lot closer over the last year, but last year, even for Bruce Willis, like, we weren't as close as we are now. Like, I didn't have his phone number or anything. And I just 
went up to him and I was like, hey, I wrote some jokes for Bruce Willis. Can I send them to you? And sent them and like, I think like a half of one might have gotten on or something, but which is not, I can't take credit because I know from now that most of the jokes, like there's parallel thinking is, I wrote like verbatim a bunch of jokes that other people wrote verbatim. How many people were writing at a time for these a guys? A ton. And they're right. Like, not sure. how does that work? Like how much of this I'm allowed to say, but oh. I think, yeah, I think I can say Is any say of it, it secret? I don't know. That's why like, they don't Did really you know tell you what secret. Secret. What? Do you know what you signed? No. Um, but you signed stuff. Probably. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, they know, like, there's writers credited on the I don't think this is going to go viral enough. So, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, Wait, so. There was, I think, like, 12 credited writers. So there's 12 credited writers, and I imagine there's some, like, low-key ghost writers. Yeah. And then, interesting. And then, are you guys writing on behalf of other comedians? So you're writing in the voice of other comedians yeah you try to and then you also try to like you might just like pitch a joke that you think is funny too but that anyone, um, would, say. That anyone would say but yeah I, I think most of the time you're just coming up with general roast jokes and then you know if joel the director is like uh producer and director is like oh we need more you know caitlin jenner jokes well then you're gonna write from her voice as best you can which is hard because you don't like, she's not a comic, so you don't know what her comedic voice is. Like, yeah. writing for Jeff or Nikki is easy because you know what their comedic voices are because you've heard them a bunch of times. It's weird. You just have to hear them talk, I guess, and see how they say something in a funny way. Yeah, and try to be like, what what would be funniest coming from them? You know, yeah. like, what joke would be the funniest coming from their perspective? Yeah. Because there's stuff, like, Nikki can say that Jeff can't, you know, that's funny coming from her. And Nikki and Jeff, I mean, write a lot of their stuff themselves mm-hmm. um that's so cool um and so i i sent i just sent jeff jokes last year and the only reason i did that is because i heard that's how like sarah tiana got into writing um do you know who that is yeah. i think i saw maybe what did she do the show no Roast Battle? she wrote on it yes sorry she wrote like on the it. actual what about the oh, bedroom show did yes she, do that? she used to be like a hater with um earl like way back in the uh, day, like when I first started. Yeah. Um, oh, and she did the TV show. Yes, if that's what you're talking about. Okay. It's, the name sounds so familiar, but I'm not sure. She, um, a lot of people compare her and I because she's like blonde and cute and Southern. Um, yeah, and yeah. I'm not Southern, but everybody thinks I am. Um, so that's how like she got in. She's just like, hey, Jeff, I'll send you my jokes. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, because I would have never known that that was a thing that you could do. And then I heard yeah, her talking that's about it. Option. And so I was like, well, I'll do that. And I did that for historical roasts, too. Um, I heard, like, Jeff and Nicole and I were all talking, and Nicole was a staff writer on that. And Jeff mentioned they were filming the next day, like, Martin Luther King's historical roast, and he was like, I don't feel like I have enough jokes for myself because we've been spending all the time on everybody else. And he's like, and I just really wish we had more time. So I, like, went home and wrote a bunch of jokes the next day and sent them and just it was just like initiative you know just and like none of them got on or anything but it was just my way of being like I'm willing to do this work and I saw an opportunity and I was like I'm gonna take it you know that's so whether cool. even People though I appreciate helping out like that yeah I and I actually got like a text from one of the other staff writers in the room that was like I can't believe you 
did that. Like, that's so cool. And that looks so good that you just took the initiative and saw like an open door and used it. He's like, nobody does that. And that made you stand out in the room like a lot. And now um, like that guy has become a good friend of mine. He's gotten me uh, a couple of really cool opportunities. Um, I got to submit a packet for last week tonight for John Oliver, which is like my dream job because he's my hero besides Jeff um and I'm I don't know who submitted my name but I'm guessing it was like Jeff or somebody with roast battle because the only other person would have been Chris Red who I opened for sometimes and I asked him and he said it wasn't him so um and Chris I met through roast battle too so so like changed your life yeah and that's cool I like how you take the initiative I admire that you ask like that and like you're not it's different than just asking to for stuff. Yeah. You're doing it. You're helping people. You're yeah. like offering to help with like not really an expectation of reciprocity, but maybe they might. And yeah. It's that's just, just like nice. Like my way of being like, I'm this is how hard I work. You know, like. It's yeah, it's I feel like when people see ask, they're like, they think it's ask for shit you don't deserve and I'm like I'm only asking for opportunities like I'm asking to be allowed to submit a packet that doesn't hurt anybody to have to read one more packet especially if it's good you know like um the and the worst that they can say is no and who cares then that's fine like yeah and your asks are like I just they're benevolent to the other person it's not I mean I notice a difference of like everyone I always have this like concept of I think it's like super fine to like reach out for things. And I think that like it's good to connect with people that you might think are it's like a reach, but actually offering to help is yeah. what, what struck me as different than what a lot of people say. Yeah. It's like, they're just like, Hey, can I do your show? Can I do this? Can I do that? But like, you're just like, Hey, here you go. Yeah. Here, I wrote this for you. Like, you can, even if you don't read them, like that's fine. I sent them, you know? Yeah. Like, it's I like, I did it writing specific jokes for the show is like it just it seems different in my mind than just being like hey here's my resume read it yeah because you're like i'm offering you like free like specific thing that you can use versus like here's a burden that you might have to like go through this and like evaluate me or like you know i don't know it just like seems different yeah and and i mean there's a lot that goes in like i had to spend four hours just researching MLK to, like, figure out... I mean, like, obviously I know what, about him, but, like... Yeah, but that you need more on his life. Right. To write good jokes. And so you're, like, you spend four hours doing that and then four to six hours writing jokes and then, you know, try to send them before it's too late. Yeah, um, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That's but good. I had the time, you know, so... Nice. And it paid off eventually, so... That's so cool. Um, what, what, I was going to ask something. I totally space out. Oh, yeah. So when you're in the writer's room for, like, the Comedy Central roast, how – what's that So like? I actually just ghost wrote. Um, I wasn't in the writer's room. Oh, really? I just know from hearing Nicole and Pat talk about it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I, that's why I was like, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. Oh, I just saw you post on, the, on Facebook. Yeah. I did – that was before I learned um, you're not supposed to talk about that. I didn't know. Oh, um, did you delete that? No. Oh, okay. Because I did. And I didn't name specifically, like, for whom I ghost wrote, which is fine. Um, I think there's a lot of petty people that are like, well, these people writing, and you weren't actually in the room. And 
the weird thing to me is the people that were in the room aren't the ones that care about ghostwriters posting. It's people that didn't get in the room that are upset about it. And it's like, who gives a shit? Like, what do you mean? Um, like other people that didn't get on the show at all? Yeah, like that didn't get writing opportunities are posting like all the, uh, according to my Facebook, like all my friends wrote for this, like the Comedy Central had 400 writers. And it's like, yeah, you know what? People might have gotten jokes on and they should be allowed to celebrate those victories. Yeah. You know, like sure. you would have done, and a lot of people, I'm like, you did the same thing last year. Like, ghostwriting is still writing. Yeah. You're it's just like, writing and you still getting paid less. But. I still got a joke that was said on television. Yeah. So that still counts, you know? Um, are there a lot of shit posts? Are there a lot of like, oh my trolling? gosh? I've like it's been driving me not really. It's not driving me crazy just because I'm like who cares? Like it seems so petty. Like subtweet type things. Yeah, and like like friends of yours. Mm-hmm. They, and not towards me because I didn't. I only did that one post and it was very vague and like. Um, Is it just like the co- the roast battle community? Just like some people being and like a lot bitter? of people like not even in it that are just like. I don't see any of you hating on. I, guess I just don't know these people. I see. I've seen like a couple that, that were like retweeted and stuff too. I was it Twitter mostly. I don't go on Twitter, but it, it like shows up on my Facebook. Of wow. like People reposting. People reposting, and I just I'm kind of like shitting on somebody doesn't make you any better. So why don't you just let them celebrate their win? Yeah, it might not be as big of a win as it could have been, but, like, who cares? Yeah. This business sucks and is so hard. We should be able to celebrate our tiny victories. Yeah, that's and I just that people are like that. Yeah, and I just think, like, hating on somebody for celebrating it doesn't – it makes you look bad, and it doesn't do any good for anybody. So why don't you just let them live their life, and you can privately think to yourself and roll your eyes and be like, well, they weren't actually in the room. Well, fine. Like – yeah, they weren't, but they found a way to work on it. So good for them. Like, I'm surprised people are like that. I I was see less vicious pointed things recently. I was surprised by it too, to be honest. I did not expect it to be as like big of a deal as it seems to be on my Facebook feed, anyway. Wow, um, social media sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to do it less. I notice like when I'm just like on my phone less, I'm just a happier person. I don't like I post, but I don't really look on my feed very often. That's um, good. I think right now because everything I've liked has been about the roast. That like now the algorithm is anything. Oh, it's that giving you everything. It's roast. all yeah. Um, but really, I'm just like I'm just liking all my friends' posts because I'm happy for them. Yeah, you know. Um, that's cool. So um, I forget you asked a question and I went off on a rant. I don't know. I think just talking about social media and then. Writing. Oh, oh you were asking. Comedy Central Writers Room. Oh yeah, you said yeah. you heard about it from Nicole. Or something. Yeah. Um. Oh, God. But, but so, can you talk about your experience? I don't know what you're allowed to talk about. I don't either. That's the thing is like I don't know what rules are, and not. Um, I know, like, the person that hired me, I sent that person, like, almost three hundred jokes. What? Yeah. I spent like sixty some 300? hours. Three hundred? Yeah. I'm an insane person. Um, wow. For like wow, that's a lot. Uh, are, are they mostly good too? Like, I mean, I sent, think so. You probably wouldn't send them if they, you didn't think No, they were I good. I didn't send ones. 
um, that I didn't think were good. That's actually next level because I like for our show we have to write like thirty, maybe twenty to thirty jokes, and we end up writing maybe forty, um, just for the tech show. And we're like, oh, that's so many roast jokes. Roast battles only three. You wrote three hundred. I can't even imagine. That's agonizing. Sixty hours. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Sixty hours. And I mean, when you think about it, there were eleven people on the dais, so you're writing. I think. Um, so you're writing for 11 people. That's You have a lot of people to roast. Yeah, that's 30 jokes per person. How much time? You know? So how many days? Like how, how was your schedule? How did you do this? Um, could, because like you sh- the we could just send as much as we wanted. or um, And so I, again, like I only work weekends. So I just spent Monday through Friday like almost every day. Just all day. All day just writing. Um. Wow the person was like, you're a machine. And I was like, thank you. Because every time, you know, they would send like specific, like, oh, I want jokes about this. Oh, this is the angle I'm going for. And then I'd send 30 about that, you know. Um, Your work ethic's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I might be it's actually like mind-blowing. Oh, my God. Um, that's like, I didn't even know that was a thing that's possible. I'm kind of inspired. <laughs> but that's like, that's how I roast battle, right, too. Like, if I... Especially if I'm doing like a three round main event, like I'm gonna write at least two hundred jokes. Wow. Um, they're not all gonna be good. Maybe sixty will be like good, you know. That's those sixty that are good. Yeah, and then I have to whittle them down. And then you know, there's probably like thirty that I'm like these are bangers. Do most people do that? Is this like the bar? Depends. Like Nicole does not write a joke until it's perfect in her head. Like she won't write it down. I can't do that because my ADD is so bad, so I have to write everything oh, like down. The thing. And so when I say 300, like there's maybe 200 that are actually complete jokes. Some of them might just be like ideas or like convoluted. Um, like they're a joke, but they're not like good. Like I would never say them. Um, and yeah, so like, and I know Nicole, she'll just spend in her head. 20 minutes on one joke and she'll only write it down when it's perfect so she only writes like 20 jokes for a nine rounder where i write a billion i know alex hooper writes a ton when he roasts like it just kind of depends on your brain i think so yeah that's cool i don't i feel like my process is more like what nicole would do where i'm just like dwelling on it and thinking and thinking and I mean, there's no, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think it's whatever works for you. You know, for me, I have to write it down or I'll forget. So do you have a strategy for writing? Like, how do you do it? Um, you must have some sort of like methodology. Yeah. Now. It took me a while to like figure it out. But now like I can sit down and in one day crank out an entire battle. Um, I look like a crazy person, like that guy from. You're literally like connecting like strings in your like, yeah. room. Um, <laughs> I usually have two to three notebooks and my laptop and my phone and like one notebook is where I'll write down all the like facts that I yeah, find about like, them yeah then one notebook is ideas so like because a lot of times like I'll be thinking about one joke and trying to finish it and then like something else will come in my mind so I'll have to write that down so I don't forget so I can go back to that thing and then another notebook will just be like free writing so like um for example like I don't know, let's say uh, somebody is a drug addict, okay, and then I'm trying to write jokes about them, then I'll, like, free associate on drug addicts and 
like write all the words that I associate with or like Thailand or like whatever it is um, and see if any of that like a lot of times that'll spark a joke because I'll be like elephant like blah, blah you know and, and you like to make connections right Between yeah like different facts and stuff and then it'll loop back and I'll be like oh okay like this becomes a joke now um, that's so cool that's a good strategy and I always start with research because then you have all the idea like yeah. you have all the facts because I think some people will start by just like looking and like thinking about the person but I don't know I like it it's easier for me when I have all the information and then I can connect different like facts about them and make them into like one joke you know I notice that a lot of that's like a common thing to like get the facts up front yeah and, and like, h- highlight them all like whenever new people hit me up about battling like that's what I always tell them is if especially if you're battling a stranger like you need to get to know each other as much as you can like the more information you can give that person the more dirt the better um this while this is a competition it's not because if you aren't a good opponent like you don't give your opponent a bunch of stuff and dirt about them even if you demolish them it's you look bad because when a battle is one-sided looks it's bad fun. it's not fun yeah. it's way better when it's like they're both strong um and like chemistry is a big part of roast battling and so like i've battled people i didn't know like when we went on the southern tour um in houston i battled a guy i'd never met before but we facetimed for like an hour so that we could get to know each other and i give all my dirt like i now i'm to the point where i'm like here's all the things that i know are yeah. interesting about me like go ahead um because the more you know, the better. It's, it gets boring when it's just, he looks like this guy. And you're like, all right, we don't need five looks like jokes, yeah. you know? Um, not that looks like jokes can't be great. But you can always change looks like jokes into a fact joke, usually. Yeah. Um, wow. So... Yeah. Do you notice that? Do you think it's different writing for battle versus... Like uh, on a dais. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, A, you have to think about what can go on TV, you know. Um, like, I wrote a joke that I knew who I sent it to wouldn't do it because it was so bad. But I had to send it because I thought it was so funny. And they were like, this joke is fucking brilliant. I'm so mad I can't do this on TV. It was um, Robert De Niro has a son with, with – uh, hold on. Robert De Niro has a son with Down syndrome. I guess they really will give anyone a special. That's funny. Except Blake Griffin. Because um, he was on the day too. And so it's like, I still sent them that, but I knew it wouldn't go. And it was more like, that was one of the first ones I wrote, so I wanted them to see, like, I'm good. Um, whereas in Roast Battle, like, you can pretty much say whatever you want. Like, yeah, I'm never going to be hired on SNL from the shit that I've said in Roast Battle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I, I want to talk about that, too. Like, I don't know much about it. I just read, I mean, okay. And not necessarily <laughs> that specifically, but yeah. how Roast Battle fits in. Fit, like, I feel like thing. I would hope that if I were to get the opportunity to write for SNL, like the things I've said in Roast Battle wouldn't be held against me because it's Roast Battle. And it's like, obviously, I don't mean any of these things, you know? Yeah, that's what that guy thought. Um. It's different, though, because he's not... Well, his was very... I was actually like, that's just offensive. Right. see how that's... I mean, usually I'm, like, more, like, anti, like, PC stuff in a way. 
but that was more that was like pretty overt he was like yeah it just like wasn't that it's not good. i think there's a difference between like a good roast battle joke that's offensive but it's it's like something thought out. It's not, yeah, and the funny you part. You can defend it better. You can't defend just whatever he said. And A, the person that you're saying it to gets a chance to defend themselves right there. You're saying it to their face. And they know what they signed up for. Everyone signed up for it. Everyone's like complicit in it. Everyone yeah. is there. The audience is. And a good Rose Battle joke, like, I feel like his comments were just offensive. Whereas, like, like they weren't really that, f- they weren't funny. And Rose Battle, like, the rule is if it's funny, it's, that's fine. Like, yeah, that's interesting, though, because it begs the question, if you want to, like, take a gamble and you're just, like, not funny and you just think it in your head, like, he just thought that was funny, even though it just isn't. In retrospect, people are like, this is racist. Um, but if you fuck up and it's not funny, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. I guess that goes with roast battle, too. Yeah. If you're not funny, you just say something and they're like, that's just pretty bad. I don't. And I'm I know that there have been. But I think most of the time people won't take a risk um, like that unless they know the joke is good. Yeah, you have to be really confident. Yeah. It is hard. That's kind of the thing of like what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. It it really is almost like, is it funny? Right. And I mean like. That's the whole difference of if it's okay or not. I don't like, I don't think white people should ever say the N word. And like it doesn't happen in roast battle anymore it used to really moses used to have a rule that if you were like you could say one white uh, a white person could say one n-word in a battle i never i even just saying like (laughs) n-word makes me uncomfortable um yeah same but that rule got put away pretty quickly um what about the wave does that is that allowed to be the way are they still allowed to do that yeah because like Jeremiah doesn't say the word, he just you know what I mean, and so Willie and Jamar can say whatever they want. Um, oh yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah's the, the only white guy, one. so he he just calls it the wave, you know. Um, yeah, it is interesting, but yeah, I don't think there's much like. Ra- I mean, there's tons of racist jokes, but they they aren't using like racial slurs. Do you think typically. like? I just wonder if it's one of those things where if the right person walked in the room or the wrong person, not the right, the wrong person walked in the room and wanted to like blow up its spot, the show would just be over. I don't think so. Like I if think one person's it's... like, this show exists. Did you guys know this? And then they'd be like, did you know Roast Battle Show? Like most people don't know it exists. Like yeah. non-comedians. I mean, it's really kind of, it's still niche. I mean, you have the show. Not so, it's like relatively underground in a way. Like, I just wonder, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm always scared that, like, something like that could happen if someone wants. A- anyone can just, like, people were just digging, like, the whole th- idea of you can kind of find a comedian that people admire and dig up stuff about them. Oh, for sure. Like, almost any pretty yeah, good comedian. it's too much now. Seinfeld, they're taking him down. Well, it is weird what he did. I guess he had a, a relationship with a 17-year-old when he was uh, 39. I mean, very de- weird, but it's depends like, why on are what state it's in. It's not it was, illegal. It was, it was legal. It yeah, was, so it's just like, why are we talking? Like, who cares? Why? That's I have a lot of you know, like, um, canceling somebody for something they did like twenty years ago. You're like, dude, go watch Friends. Friends was is not twenty years old, or maybe it is now, but it is, about, it is now. Yeah. But you're like, that shit is so offensive. It's like not. It's like fat shaming and like 
that it would never fly on TV now. Yeah. But that was 20 years ago. So like, that's how our culture was. It was different. And so it's like, you got, I think you got to give people a little leeway of not canceling them from something they did 20 years ago. Like people learn. We don't know. We didn't know that like you weren't supposed to say the R, like say retarded, you know? We didn't know that was offensive 20 years ago. Well, I guess 30 years ago now, maybe. Justin Trudeau was caught wearing blackface. I know. As a, but thrice. Um, three times. It was three times. Yeah. In three different like, instances. In but, like, he was, like, Aladdin. I'm, like, I don't... Oh, there's one of him, like, straight up as a black guy. and like. But he was in high school, right? Uh, Probably. Doing Deo or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, like, a high school. If, also, no one... Like, I don't know. Part of me is, like... Clearly, he was in a society where no one else found an issue with that. He's in high school. Like, yeah. what do you, are you at fault for living in a society that's like that? And it's like. And like, participating in that's how the society was. Why are you at to blame? I don't, th- I don't remember learning about blackface in high school at all. Like, I didn't know that, I was, didn't a know that was a thing. I didn't know until I wouldn't have known. I learned about it in college because I have a BFA in theater. So we studied, you know, minstrel theater and stuff. Um, so I learned like, oh, that's a problem. Yeah. But I would not have known in high school because it, uh, how would I have known? Um, yeah, I just think. And then we give license to these men that are preying on women and we're like, well, but that's separate. And it's like, no, that's different because he's still doing that. And that's like, a that's Wait, like, a, you know, like, um, like Louis being able to come back. Uh, I have a lot of feelings about him. I, I just, I think what he did was wrong, and I think it's gross, and I think it's a, a upsetting, and yet people are defending him, which is I get. I just think like that is a totally different thing than not being informed and not understanding. Like, you're showing a pattern. Like, if Justin Trudeau, every since learning that that was a wrong thing, kept doing it, well then yeah. Fuck you, man. You're canceled. But if you don't know it's wrong, and then when you learn that it's wrong, you stop. I mean, I guess that that argument could be applied to Louis, but well, he hasn't made an effort to like apologize. really show remorse or apologize. No, he's just like I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, and when he came back, like he made jokes about it, and it's like whether you think you did something wrong or not, you made other people feel victimized. So that sh- you should apologize for that. You know, it's like it's like the same if you did blackface and somebody sees it and feels victimized, then you should apologize for that. Like yeah, you upset Justin them. Trudeau's like, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Yeah. I regret it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's I was wrong. Yeah. And I just. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Yeah. No, that's um, it's very weird time to do comedy. It's very like. I don't know. Strange. Even just doing roast battle, I feel like there's like, I mean, it is clear that it's like more. It's acceptable to be kind of like funny and kind of offensive, but it still seems a little risky, even in roast battle. Yeah, and I think just like to do it, especially me being a white guy. It's like oh, I yeah. shouldn't say anything. I should just. It's a better time for me to just sit here and code and not do comedy. Um, and I I just think you know. If you're good, you can write a joke that doesn't have to revolve around like a racist punchline or it can and it's okay to be racist a little bit like in roast battle. 
as long as A, it's funny, and then, oh, that sound bite is going to come out of me just being like, it's okay, it'll be racist. But I know, just that's gonna, the bit I'm going to play. Uh, for the first time. No, in Roast Battle, it's just I feel like the joke has to be about the person, whereas, like, not the, the race isn't the punchline. Yeah. You know? Specific to the person, not the joke being you're this race. But there are a lot of There's jokes like that. There's a lot like of that. that. I There's just don't find them funny anymore. Yeah. You know, like, like I'm Holocaust jokes bore the shit out of yeah. me now because I've heard every single version of it. And it's like, I would be surprised if I heard one that made me laugh. It is interesting, though, because to an extent, when you have a very particular kind of person, you're going to rely on the uh, like offensive tropes of it. Like, yeah. you can't not acknowledge that someone's like very obese in Roast Battle or um, Joe Urell. Right. In a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, every joke should be about him in a wheelchair. Yeah. No matter what. Unless you do the Nicole Buchanan route, which was the greatest battle I've ever seen when she battled Greg Roque in the wheelchair. And every, you know who that is, right? That's why I said in the wheelchair so that you know who he was. I actually don't. Um, Maybe I should know. No reason. Um, and every joke she set up as if she were going to talk about the wheelchair, but then spun it in a different oh, direction. Funny. And it was fucking brilliant. Um, but that's, I mean, Nicole is, I think, and it, a lot of people think like the best roast battler of all time. And so, really, yeah. I mean, like Mike Lawrence, after that battle, he was like, this is why Nicole is the greatest roast battler of all time. Because she just did five jokes not addressing that he's in a wheelchair that murdered, you know? Um, wow. That's a cool title. Yeah. It's funny I that mean, we were just like in the same, we just did comedy together. Now yeah. I'm thinking of her as like this famous person. I mean, That's she's so crushing weird. it. Yeah. Interesting. But, yeah. yeah. What were we talking about? The Like, oh yeah, when it's okay to be offensive. I don't know. I feel like it's so it's, it's hard. hard. Yeah. Because it's like, how do you, fundamentally, it seems like comedy relies on stereotypes. And now it's like, which are we allowed to use based on, like, how people are, like, historically marginalized and stuff like that. Yeah. And who feels, like, more marginalized. I don't, like, know how, like, because obviously you can make fun of vegan people and maybe they take offense to it. And maybe some are disadvantaged. Is that wrong? No. Like, at least today's society, that's okay. It's funny to make fun of a lot of different types of white people because they're white. They're privileged. You can make fun of low-income white people that they're technically not privileged, but, like, it's more socially acceptable. Right. So it's like, is it just, like, how are we feeling today? Yeah, I don't <laughs> How are we feeling know. who's more marginalized today? We shouldn't talk about them. I don't know. I think, I don't know. This is just me guessing, but I feel like a big part of, like, you know, like this guy that just got canceled from SNL. Like, from what I read, um, it it wasn't like it was just for shock's sake to say the words that he said and the things that he said. Like it, it wasn't to me. It didn't read as humor was at the heart of it. Um, and I think a lot of times, like with offensive jokes and stuff, the the purpose behind it is to highlight how ridiculous that stereotype is. It's not actually to hurt the person. It's to be like, look at how fucking stupid this thing that we believe about people is. So I'm going to make a joke about it so you can see how stupid that is. But when you come at it from a, I believe this, or like, you know. Yeah. It's like like, usually like more self-aware. Yeah. That the stereotype exists and showing that you're maybe critical of it. Right. Like, like, uh, not Tosh. Um, 
Anthony Jeselnik, I think, is like the best example of being an offensive comedian and yet not because he has this like twinkle in his eye of like, I know what I'm saying. It's like you said, self-awareness. Yeah. And I think that's the the point is he's like, I know I'm saying fucked up shit. I know that I'm saying it on purpose. Whereas I think sometimes people just say it and they don't realize how bad it is. And that's where it becomes a problem. I don't know. What that's so about. interesting. That delivery could make or break your set if you're delivering kind of yeah. what would be offensive. Showing like a little look that shows that you know what you're saying is like, yeah. not like, okay. D- yeah. And like that's most why. Most people I, be like, this isn't okay. Like, right. Like, and I like think the there's sly, people like, that don't like Jesselnik, but like, I think there are people that don't get it, that don't see that twinkle in his eye of like, no, I get it. Yeah, I know you what know? you mean. That's so interesting. Or yeah. people that didn't like Chappelle's new special. Like, they don't understand that he's subverting. He's saying these things, but, like, he doesn't. It's a subversion of the thought. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't well, know. I was watching that one, too, and I was kind of like, does he? I don't know. I didn't know what to make his, of His is more va- hard to He would to literally read. just, like, I, run backwards and be like, say something, <laughs> like, whatever. He's like, yeah. And yeah. then he'd just run back. I, <laughs> like, it right. wasn't for me. Um, but I get the arguments on both sides. Uh, I would never be like, fuck Dave Chappelle. I just, I'm like, it wasn't for me. You yeah. Know? Um, I do think he is aware of what he's saying because he's smart. And and I and in his other specials, he's, you know, illuminated these same issues in a, I thought, funnier way, you know, more yeah. supportive way. The earlier. Um. That makes me believe that he doesn't think the things that he's thinking, you know? Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. I had to turn it off because I just, like, for me, it wasn't funny. And Yeah. But. And it's a hard terrain to navigate now. Um, yeah. I feel like right. I just don't care. I'm just yeah. going to say what I'm going to say. I know what's right and wrong. Yeah, exactly. And if I fuck something up and upset someone, like, I'll apologize if, you know, and if not. Yeah. I'm just going to live my life. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, do you have uh, any, this is a separate note, any cool comedy things coming up? Um, I think probably. Let's see. Do uh, Well, I'm battling Jay Light in November. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. I've wanted to battle Jay for like a long time. Um, the new and old producer. Wait, oh, the new yeah. Produce, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Um... I feel like I just got done with all my cool shit. And now, now you're chilling I'm that. in a lull, which is how it always happens. Um, do you do stand-up while you are in your off, less busy time? Like, are you hitting shows? Oh, nights? yeah. So yeah. I have, because I have a roast battle every Tuesday. And then um, I produce another show at the Comedy Store called The Hella Show. So I have that every other Friday. Oh, what is um, that? What? What is that? It's just a uh, Joe Josh Waldron. Oh, I don't um, know anyone. I feel like I'm really unplugged. Uh, no, that's okay. Josh started the show like four years ago, and I took over co-producing it like a year and a half ago. Um, it's just a straight stand-up show. We pride ourselves on booking like really diverse lineups. Um, usually like female-dominated, but we don't. We just we just book the funniest fucking people we know. Um, that's cool. Where is it? Belly room mm-hmm. also. Yeah, and it does really well. And sometimes, like, last our last show was, we had a lot of dudes on. Uh, sometimes that'll happen. We just try really hard to um, 
make it diverse as we can, you know, because we don't want to be the fucking laugh factory where you're like, cool, seven dudes on a lineup all the time. Yeah, I can't. I can't with a laugh factory. Yeah. Um, I feel like most comedians, well, they're not hanging out there. No. And when I started, like the laugh factory was like the ultimate club like that's, that's where what i thought too oh, oh it was i thought it was it's i, I think the comedy store now is like it seems that's, like the comedy store is. yeah um the laugh factory doesn't get Chappelle dropping in and jeff ross and seinfeld and you know um and like i said it's i once counted on their lineup and out of 300 comics like for the next three weeks four of them were women what mm-hmm how did they find that many men? Yeah. I guess that's easy. And uh, I somebody tweeted at them once, uh, like a couple weeks ago, and was like, oh, cool, all, all male lineup again, Laugh Factory. Like, great job. And then the Laugh Factory came back with, well, we hit up women, but none of them returned our calls for this show. And then the person, like, uh, the reason I saw it is because she tagged, like, 30 female comics in it and was like here's all the female comics that I know that would for sure return your call that you're trying and then I just tweeted and I was like funny Laugh Factory like we never have a hard time getting multiple women on our show so what are you doing that these women aren't returning your calls or or you're not making them you know because we never have a hard time getting four women on our lineup so yeah wow I didn't know it was like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask uh, before we finish. I know we kind of went for a bit. But I wanted to ask about, like, that development thing you mentioned. Like, how does that work? Oh. I always wondered, like, how, how to be more in? a part of that community. And, like, I know some people do potluck. And I honestly, I just, I, I can't. I don't. I know. I, I, I never it, do it. I it crushes my soul. Um, I need to do it more, but I don't. Um, it's literally like in um, Toy Story with the crane. Like, oh yeah, that's what. Like, how can you do that? Like three hours, and then you like, I don't know. It just seems so shitty. But it may, is. maybe it's like a like you have to go. Do you have to do that? I don't. I think that's supposed to be the way, but I don't think it really is. I think it comes from like, um, like Adam, the Booker of the Comedy Store. He's the one who picks developmental spots, which developmental spots are uh, five minutes there, five minute spots on every show that's happening at the comedy store. Jesus. Um, and there's two every show. And it's people that he believes in that uh, he thinks are on their way to becoming paid regulars. Um, a lot of them are like door guys. That's a, a really great way to get spots at the comedy store is be a door guy it's really hard to you be have a to door like guy. audition right yeah you have to audition you have to audition to be a door guy um yep and then um another is like i don't even know because i'm not in development there and i run two shows at the comedy store um did you ask no i i don't know adam very well and he scares me even though he's really really nice he's just like intimidating and i've always wanted to like thank him for because he is like trying really hard to nurture women like really hard um and i've always wanted to like thank him for that because like in contradiction with like the laugh factory like the comedy store is crushing it with female comics right now but i've always been scared that it would come across as like insincere like i was trying to oh like you're sucking up or something right but like, i'm not like i just really want to tell him that i appreciate it so much especially 
when I look at like the Laugh Factory and stuff. Um, so I know like a lot of the people in development, I think get like like little credits here and there. Um, I for some reason like roast battle people don't get a lot of development spots until like they get other stuff outside of roast battle. Um, like Alex Hooper is gets development spots, but he got you know he did America's Got Talent. Um, so like to get a development spot, you have to be pretty already good. Yeah, at, like already most, on your way or like headlining. Yeah, most of the people that are development spots that aren't door guys are like they've already written on stuff. It's <laughs> just like headliners. Yeah, that's so crazy. It's um, like because like, in other clubs it would be the up and coming people are getting these development spots on shows, but here it's like people that are headliners everywhere else. Or give them like, 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 the, like uh, amateur spots. Do you know who George Perez is? I think he's so. like a head, major headliner. He's just not a paid regular at the comedy store yet, so he has he gets development spots. And, and he's time, a huge headliner. Oh my god, like hugely famous, like so funny. And, and he just sells out shows and stuff. Yeah, and so it's all like when he did our show like a couple months ago. I'm like, I can't believe that you're the development spot. Like this is insane. That's actually like soul crushing in a way. Um, it's like these people that are so big, but then like why? Then there are other. But then actually, then at that point, why go? Because because getting your name on the comedy store wall is such a big deal, you know. Like, it's the most prestigious club in the world. If you're already selling tickets, what does it matter? Because it's, it's just like, like a, cool. It's a badge thing. It's like yeah, cool. you know, like like Brad Williams was had three Showtime specials, all of which were the highest rated comedy specials of Showtime history. And he still wasn't a paid regular at the comedy store. And he is now, but like Really? Yeah. I mean he was selling out everywhere and like but he wanted to be a paid regular because it's it's that last like thing, you know? It's like it holds so much prestige to be a paid regular there. Wow. That's so interesting. It's just like this one club is like the big end all club. Yeah, because like think of like look at the names on there: Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, like Jim Carrey. You're like you get to be on a wall with those people. That's insane. So it's less so like you need this for work, and more so like you are like elevated the craft of comedy. Yes, yeah, and I mean there are people that because you know like like the people that get past that don't have as many credits. Once you get past, like, that is a credit in itself. Like, you can tour on the fact that you're a paid regular at the comedy store. You might not sell very many tickets because people don't know who you are, yeah. but clubs will pay you to come on an off weekend with just that as a credit. Interesting. Because I noticed, like, there's – seems like there's two things happening. Like, one is that people are just having their own followings and they can just do their own shows and sell tickets independent of credits, et cetera. Um, yeah. So like our roast show will just will sell tickets just because people like that concept and they want to come. Right. And that works. And then there's people that are like that will get booked through clubs because they're good, but no one's actually heard of them. And like they won't yeah. sell tickets on their own. Right. There's a lot of like touring headliners that like you never would have heard of, but they clubs pay them to come because Do they they're bring good. people out or they're just good. And the clubs bring the people out. The clubs bring the people out. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it seems like there's two models. Like, because sometimes the club is like, oh, we'll book this headliner if they can also have a big draw. And I mean, I think. Like a glorified bringer show. In a oh, way. definitely. And it's, I think it's going more towards people that sell tickets because there are 
less, people that sell tickets yeah, now. There's less gatekeepers. You can um, just do that. Yeah, and like you have people that are YouTube stars that can sell will sell out a whole weekend. And so it's like, well, why would I book Joe Montana? I don't know why that was the name I came up with. <laughs> um, who's been doing this for 30 years, has been a road dog for 30 years, is a phenomenally talented comic, but will sell one third of the room when I can have Dave YouTube that will sell out the room. And like, yeah, he's not going to be great, but his audience is going to love him and they're going to pay. So... Yeah, it's so weird. Which kind of sucks for for comics because you're like it's almost selling out. I mean, depending on what it is, if, I mean, because like that's not stand up comedy, but their audience is paying to see whatever the hell that is, right? The, the YouTube and so, thing. You, you know, the bummer is the people that just stumbled into the club and are like, "Oh, I just let's go see comedy this weekend," and they end up seeing like, you know, Dave YouTube has been doing it for a year and it's not funny, and then they think that's what stand up is. Oh and it's no, like, that's bad. No, that's not. That's not stand up. Like that's whatever that guy does, which is fine for his audience, but it's not what stand up is. Yeah. Stand up takes ten years to get anything. You know, they say seven years to find your voice. Um, that's what I've heard. On yeah, all that's the what people say. Yeah, it's like seven years, which is like basically where I'm at now. So it's like they say seven years is when you should start getting opportunities, and I'm seven years in, and I'm starting to get opportunities. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like those rules of thumb are pretty good. Like they're generally like okay. I feel I I don't like when people, because oftentimes people like say them like they're gospel, like 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 they really are real things. I mean they're just observations that people have had, and I worry that like some people look at them in a way. I'm not saying that this is you, but I know just like a lot of people I talk to, well they'll look at it in a way where it's like, oh no, but you have to be seven years. You have to like no, and you can also just be like, what if you had to do, I don't know like get exponentially better at comedy in one year like, like what if you had amy to schumer. really try to do that amy schumer got on last comic standing three months into stand-up really yeah and she just was forced to become good you know and i think there are people that can do that um and nicole there's people that it takes longer kind of did that yeah nicole's only four years into comedy yeah she, just she literally was like a tour guide i think yeah she's just good at it you know and like there's people Natural. that take a lot longer um, you know, like I started stand up and I have a BFA in acting. So like for me, I didn't have to learn how to hold a microphone or how to be on a stage, not nervous, like all that, how to speak clearly, all that was already in me, which I feel like is a lot of comics for three so years, yeah. you know, it's just like, I, nobody had to teach me to move the mic stand in front of me because I understand stage presence and understand that you're not supposed to stand behind a fucking mic stand, which blows my mind. How many people I see do that? I'm like, what, what? Have you never watched a stand-up before? Like, you move it. It's not hard. Anyway. <laughs> so. That's cool. I mean, it definitely lends a lot to your presence, I'm sure, just having that acting background. Yeah. Um, so I think there's no, like, tried and true set time limit. I, find, I just find it comforting that, like, they say seven years. So I'm like, great. I'm on track. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the only reason I like to say it is because I'm oh, like, yeah, no. perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, and if it takes longer, it takes longer. Some people, it does. Well, that's cool. It sounds like you're having a lot of success. So congrats. <laughs> Thanks. On um, the new responsibility, running the show, and then all the stuff that's coming up. Yeah. Um, do you have any, where are the social medias that people can find you on? Uh, everything is Sarah with an H, Keller 07, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, 
not really Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, go to the uh, Watch Roast Battle at the Comedy Store. Yeah. Ten thirty. Ten thirty on Tuesdays, yeah. and then the Hella Show every other Friday at ten thirty in the com- uh, Comedy Store too. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. If you liked what you heard, please share it on social media with your friends. Uh, my handles at Working Comic Podcast and my personal handles at Austin Nasso. If you want to follow me, please do that. Show your support for the show. And roughly two to three times a month, I'm going to be interviewing more up and coming comics, festival runners, producers, writers, uh, people working in all facets of comedy and entertainment to help you all jumpstart your career and figure out what you want to do and how you can do it. So tune in and thanks.